0: I want to begin this morning with a personal story from my own life. I think you'll see how it ties in with the events of today. <clears throat> in 1917, a young couple whose names were Wendell and Margaret, who were living in Chicago at the time, got married. For their honeymoon, they took a Great Lake steamer north on Lake Michigan to a small, safe harbor town in northwestern Michigan called Onekama. This is the Michigan plug right here that we're going <laughs> They immediately fell in love with the area, and they decided that they'd like to purchase a piece of land, which they did one year later, 1918, 100 years ago this year. That newly married couple happened to be my grandparents. They bought four acres of beachfront property right on the shores of Lake Michigan when it sold for pennies. It stayed in the family ever since. It's where my mom and dad settled when I was six years old. It's where I grew up, virtually all of my... Growing up years with a beach and a lighthouse in my front yard. And so this past summer, the Brooks Clan celebrated the 100th anniversary of our family property. And as the West Hills family knows all too well, every year I come back, this is the place that fills a big place in my heart and in the hearts of our entire family. Over the course of 100 years, You can imagine lots of water has passed under the proverbial bridge, or to be more accurate, lots of waves have splashed along the shore. I mean, we have literally thousands of memories, swimming and jumping in the waves of Lake Michigan in the summertime, climbing on the ice formations in the cold of winter, enjoying bonfires and roasting hot dogs and marshmallows on the beach, watching storms roll in off the lake, myriads of incredibly beautiful sunsets. Long walks down the shoreline, time alone with God while standing under the milky way that stretches across the night sky, seeing sometimes the northern lights dancing on the horizon. It was out on the beach that Jenny and I celebrated birthdays and enjoyed bonfires during our dating years in high school. And it was there four years ago that we celebrated our daughter Erin's wedding. So, so many wonderful memories. Now understand, I'm not Pollyanna. Pollyanna. There are some memories that weren't all that wonderful on that little piece of land. I remember my grandmother's basement catching fire and watching her frantically using a garden hose to try to put out the flames until a fireman literally picked up her small frame in his arms and carried her to safety. Unfortunately, I have some bad memories of my mom and dad working through a marriage that had its share of pain and heartaches. When my mom went home to be with the Lord a few years ago, it was out on that property that we gathered and grieved and reminisced, and like any family, there have been some disappointments and some heartaches, family squabbles, times when forgiveness had to be both given and received, but I've got to tell you, by and large, it's a piece of land with a hundred years' worth of really great times, and Lord willing, there will be many, many more, because with our grandkids and their cousins, we're now into the fifth generation of Brooks we have been blessed to be able to enjoy that wonderful little piece of God's creation. Now, swing it around to today. For us this morning, 50 years ago, some folks from Chicago originally, who had then moved to St. Louis, were led by God to plant a brand new church out in what was then the frontier of West St. Louis County. Like my grandparents, they and others who joined with them, some of them here this morning, like the Conyers and others, purchased a piece of land, six acres that we're on today. And for the establishment of their brand new little church. Like our family property, this little piece of land is filled with memories, five decades worth. I've been here for almost 30 of the 50, so I've got my share. But for some of you, it goes way back, either to the very beginning or shortly thereafter. I found myself pausing and reflecting on the lives and faithfulness of numerous saints who have gone home to be with the Lord. And if I can get through this without crying, it'll be a miracle. Len Nystrom, June's husband, one of our pioneers, a man who, to be perfectly honest, when I first arrived here in 1989 as a much, much younger pastor with much more hair, I found Len to be somewhat intimidating. No, I found Len to be very intimidating. (laughs) But over the years prior to his death, I just came to love and appreciate his great passion for God's church. Tony and Helen Horn. Tony was a character. You may have noticed the man dressed in a Superman outfit lifting the beams with his, when this portion of the building was erected. That was Tony. And of course, Helen, who was almost always the first one in the parking lot on Sunday mornings. She truly considered this to be her second home. Sally Mulehuisen, such a loving, faithful saint wrapped up in such a tiny little frame. Linda Drapp, who truly became a sister to me. Kathleen Leggett, such beauty and grace is hard to find in a person. Kit Guy, prayer warrior like no other. Tom Fowler, joyful brother, faithful servant and leader. And friends, that's just to name a few of those who are now with the Lord, who walked these halls, worshipped in this space, left their fingerprints all over the place. Hundreds and hundreds of people's lives have been touched by God through this church over the years from small children to senior saints. For many, Bethany, West Hills, proved to be a place of healing and restoration at some critical time in their life, a place to be loved and cared for. And again, like the Brooks family, like any family, there have been those things that we've had to work through, heartaches and challenges and struggles and difficulties along the way, which are going to be there with any family. But the overwhelming collection of memories brings a sense of joy and deep gratitude to God. And now, we as a church are into the fourth generation of those who are blessed to call this church home. And should the Lord tarry, there will be many, many more to come. You see, a local church can easily forget its history. Those who come before us, men and women who poured their lives and hearts into a church's life. I personally am afraid that we as a culture tend to live very much in the moment, living for today with very little regard and actually very little respect for yesterday. As a result, we fail to learn from our forefathers. We fail to learn from history, from those who came before us. And yet what you find in Scripture is that God calls for His people to be a remembering people. Don't forget. Please don't forget. Remember, 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 remember. A little piece of trivia The word remember is in your Bible, it's in my Bible, 234 times. Now fortunately for us, a lot of those references are to the fact that God remembers us. He remembered Noah, he remembered Rachel, he remembered Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, he remembered his covenant, he remembers his promises. And boy, I'm so thankful that he is mindful of us. One of the great passages, Isaiah 49, the Lord says this, can a woman forget her nursing child, that she should have no compassion on the son of her womb? Even these may forget, yet I will not forget you. I will not forget you. Behold, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are continually before me. Praise God. Our God is a God who remembers his people. Those who are in Christ should find great comfort and confidence and strength in knowing that your heavenly Father is always mindful of you. Whatever you're going through. And so that's not where the problem lies. The problem lies with us. We're extremely forgetful. And that's why God reminds us over and over and over again in his his book that we must not forget these things, especially things that are critical to life and to death and to everything in between. Let me mention just two areas of remembering this morning. First of all, the obvious. Remember your past. We need to be people who remember our past, our heritage, That was Israel's perpetual problem. They forgot their past. Even though the Lord continually warned them, don't do that. Deuteronomy 6, when the Lord your God brings you into the land that he swore to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, to give you with great and good cities that you didn't build, houses full of all good things that you didn't fill, cisterns that you did not dig, vineyards and olive trees that you did not plant, When you eat and are full, then take care, be careful, lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Just a thought, it seems to me that we especially tend to forget the past when life is going really good for us in the present. That was the case for the Israelites. They were living in towns and cities that were flourishing. Their cisterns were overflowing. For us, that means your ice maker is working and your refrigerator. Vineyards and olive trees abundant with fruit. That means schnooks and deerbergs are always going to have everything you could possibly want. Your closets are full. Your pantry is full. Your stomach's full. Everything's full. Material life is good. Friends, that is when you will be most prone to forget. If not to forget, to take for granted the Lord. Notice what they would be most tempted to forget, that it was the Lord who brought them out of the land of Egypt. Remember what the Lord your God did to Pharaoh? Remember? You shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God led you for 40 years. For them it was 40, for us it's 50. That he might humble you, testing you. Remember the days of old. Consider the years of many generations. Ask your dad, he'll show you. Ask your elders, they will tell you parents. We're to be doing that with our kids, telling our children and our grandchildren of the faithfulness of God. We as a church are to pass on the history of those who've gone before us. King David expressed it so well in Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits who forgives all your iniquity, heals all your diseases, redeems your life from the pit, crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, satisfies you with good. Brothers and sisters, every day you need to remember what God has done for you. Every day. And the same for us as a church. And so let today be a day for remembering the past. But also we're to remember the promise. Judd pointed it out to us earlier. One promise in particular that applies to a day like today. It's the promise that Jesus made to the 12 when Peter first confessed his faith publicly, if you will. It's on the bottom of your program. I want you to read it with me aloud. Jesus said to Peter, and he says to you and me, Read it with me. I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Let me break it down briefly. I, the Son of God, the one who took on flesh, lived for a while among us, the one in whom all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, the one who paid the price for our redemption and our salvation, the one who foreknows, calls, justifies, sanctifies, Glorifies I, Jesus, the Lamb who was slain for the sins of the world, the one who will one day return, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, I will build, because unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. I will build it with myself as the cornerstone. I will build it with living stones, a spiritual house in which God will dwell by his spirit. I will bind it together. And make it secure, because I am the one in whom all things hold together. And that which I begin, I always bring to completion. And I will receive all the glory when it's finished, because I will build. I will build my church. It's mine, says the Lord. It's not yours. It doesn't belong to any man. No church should ever be referred to as being so-and-so's church. No, Christ is jealous about this. It's his church. Therefore, you can be sure that he'll protect it from the enemy. It may go through trials. It may be tested. It may experience struggles and hardships. But it will never be forsaken. Never. Jesus says, You're my church. With all your weaknesses, all your failings, your acts of waywardness, in spite of your proneness to wander, you're mine. You're my bride. I laid down my life for you. I will always love you. I will build my church. Ecclesia, eccoleo, called out ones. The true church is comprised of all who've been called out to belong to God, called out of the world, called out of our sin, called out of the darkness and into his marvelous light, called from death to life. The church is made up of all who are called to belong to Christ, Jew, Gentile, slave, free, male, female, young, old, rich, poor, all who have been called according to God's purpose, all who have called to be saints together with all those who in every place call on the name of the Lord. We are the church, the called of God, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. This year, the Cardinals did not prevail. (laughs) The Cubs are hoping to prevail. The Braves are hoping. The Brewers are hoping. The Red Sox. Prevail means to triumph. Prevail means to win, to rule, to reign the day. Jesus said, the gates of hell shall not triumph. The gates of hell shall not reign. The gates of hell shall not rule against the church because it's mine. See, the gates of hell is a reference to death and darkness and destruction brought on those who reject God along with the devil and all of his angels. Christ says these shall not prevail. They shall not win against Christ and his church. Not ever. At the end of the, at the, end of the age, brothers and sisters, the church will stand victorious. Thanks to our warrior God who fights for his bride, And so, yes, today is most definitely a day for remembering. Remember your past. Remember the Lord. Remember the promise he gave to his church. But it's also a day for renewing. It's a day for renewing what you love. Let me give you just three short ideas here that I believe are right in line with why we're here today. Let today be a day for renewing your love for the Lord first. You know the first and greatest commandment, you know this. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and all your strength. Friends, there's nothing greater for a person to do with the, whatever many years God gives you. June is into her 93rd year, into your 93rd or 94th year. She's been loving the Lord for decades with all her heart, mind, soul, and strength. There's nothing greater for you to do with your life. There's nothing greater for a church to do than to love God with all of its being and resources. But we know that the fire of our love can grow cold unless we stir the embers and fan the flames. The warning that the Lord gave to the church in Ephesus should be ours as well in any church. I know your works. I know your toil, your patient endurance. I know how you can't bear with those who are evil. I know you're enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake. I know you've not grown weary, but... I have this against you. You've lost your first love. You've abandoned the love that you had at first. You're doing all those things that a good church should do, but your love for me, it's not what it used to be. Uh, May today be a day wherever you serve, wherever you worship, wherever you happen to live, may today be a day for renewing your love for the Lord as you gather with the saints. Also, it should be a day for renewing your love for God's church. That pretty much goes right in line with what I've been saying before. Wherever you serve, wherever you worship, renew your love for that which is so dear and precious to Christ. The Lord of the church loves, loves, loves the church. It's his bride. I remember when Bob and Rita Tweety renewed their vows here on this platform one year ago on their 50th wedding anniversary. It was a great day. I remember catching Bob sneaking a kiss with his bride when he didn't think anyone was watching. I was watching. And it was great. The two of them renewed their vows and declared their ongoing love for each other that day. You see friends when I do a wedding ceremony I will often think of how the vows so beautifully capture what Christ says to his bride. Think about this. I have taken you to be mine, to have and to hold from this day forward for better or for worse, when you're at your best and when you're at your worst, for richer for poorer, When you're filled with abundance and when you are destitute, in sickness and in health, when you are sick with sin and when you are healthy with righteousness, to love and to cherish, I will love you and I will cherish you until I bring you to share with me in the marriage supper of the Lamb. Renew your love for God's church. It's not perfect. It's got lots of flaws, lots of weaknesses, but brothers and sisters and friends, there is nothing else like it on the face of the earth. Nothing else like the church on the face of this earth. Love your church. Lastly, renew your love for a lost world. This church was planted with the Great Commission at its core. Go and make disciples. Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel of the whole creation. You are the light of the world, Jesus said. The gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world. As our missionaries reminded us this morning, and some who were blessed to have with us here as well. You see, friends, we of all the people on the face of the earth are the possessors of the only message that truly makes a difference. We are the possessors of an eternal hope that your friends and neighbors and relatives need. We know how the story ends. We know there's a day coming when the king will return and he'll gather unto himself all who are his. We know that for as much time as God grants us to live on this good earth, we're called to be his witnesses, both through our deeds and through our words. This is a good time to renew our love for the world for which Christ died. A day for remembering, a day for renewing. May the Lord of the church be pleased to continue to bless and do a good work here at West Hills for his glory and in each of your churches for his glory. May God honor the legacy, the rich legacy laid down by those who came before us. May the present West Hills family continue to build on the foundation that was laid 50 years ago. May we be faithful to the task. And may the generation of our children and our children's children, and should the Lord tarry, our children's children's children, may they be blessed to know and to love the Lord and his church as we do today. Amen. Pray with me. It is with hearts that are full, Lord God, that we acknowledge you and you alone, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the Lamb who was slain, the King who will reign, the one who came once and the one who will come again. It is unto you that we give all glory, praise, and honor. May you be pleased, dear Lord, to bless this church, to bless every church that is represented in this room, that is faithfully serving you and proclaiming the gospel and living out the fruit of the Spirit and walking humbly with their God. Lord, would you be pleased to allow us to be a blessing to all whom you lead our way and all who cross our paths. Thank you, Lord. And now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all that we could ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen.